0: One, two. Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar raisers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great healthcare. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital, with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine. A new center for community health and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn, stay amazing.
1: By now, you've probably seen ads about the water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere. People who got sick after drinking that toxic water are now able to seek repayment for their medical costs because of a new law, the PACT Act. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it's important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is a limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you, and they won't take no for an answer. Sign up at SickMarine.com.
0: You got the solution. All right. Yeah, I mean that's three games in a row. That's that's no good, obviously. And um, you know,
1: it is the uh, circumstances of the game to a degree. Um, This game, in some ways, was very similar to our first two. Um, You know, and until we can stop people, more can can uh, decisively and
0: score more points teams are going to be content to play these types of games with us
2: you're listening to the huddle up podcast with chad jensen and zach kelberman join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off and now it's time to drop some knowledge
1: What are you going to do? Your team is 0-3 after falling to the Green Bay Packers 27-16. It is Chad Jensen. It is Zach Kelberman here. Gut reaction time for the Huddle Up podcast. We're simulcasting this episode live on YouTube, and we are here to exercise the demons for you guys. We are your football priests. And, you know, as always, this is brought to you by right here, Mile High Huddle. All right? It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm Chad Jensen. My partner here is Zach Kelberman. We are with you guys, man. We, we don't know what to really tell you at this point. We're going to analyze what we saw today. We're going to dive into this thing. We're going to talk about where this team goes from here. But Zach, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where it feels like here we go again. You know, The last two years, they just can't, they can't shuck that, that dark cloud. Right. That's what I was just
3: telling you. This team feels no better. In fact, in some areas, they feel worse. I mean, week to week, there's no consistency in any part of their game. They're not doing anything overly well right now. At least Philip Lindsay kind of had a good game, and he was the impetus for whatever offense they had. But they still don't have any identity. They don't have any lack of killer in sync, any lack of discipline. They're still playing sloppy football. It, it's very concerning now. In three weeks, that newness excuse is over, Chad. You, Vic Fangio can't use it. Skankarello can't use it. It's week three now. It's getting worse and worse by the week, it looks like. So it, it's definitely a concerning time in Dove Valley right now. The
1: Denver Broncos are now the first team in the past 50 years to have zero sacks and zero takeaways in the first three games of a season. How is that possible? How is that possible? Like, you could give me a million
3: dollars. I never would have suspected that or predicted that to start the season after three weeks. No sacks, no takeaways, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris Jr., Cream Jackson, the Vic
1: Fangio defense. What is the problem? We can sit here and talk about flow of the game. Situations haven't dictated the most opportune um, – Chances for for Chubb and for Vaughn to get after the quarterback, playing from behind in each and every game thus far. That definitely plays a role, but at a certain point, you have to start pointing your finger at the scheme, at the play yeah. calling, and at the execution. Now, this is a game that, even though the Broncos trailed, Zach, throughout, this is a game in which... Aaron Rodgers was holding on to the ball a long time, dude. This wasn't Derek Carr and Mitch Trubisky unloading it in 2.04 seconds. This was Aaron Rodgers holding it for an additional second, if not more. Now, you saw some additional pressures today, but the Broncos just could not get home. And how many times, Zach, how many times is Vic Fangio going to rush three on third down? Let me tell you something. Well, you can rush three on third down, when you have an elite secondary, if you have elite cover corners and you have great safeties, you can rush three on third down. When you have a secondary that's still getting up to speed, still trying to figure out this freaking defense, still trying to get the communication down, the talent is not on a level that Fangio had in Chicago. It's not on the level yet that he had in San Francisco toward the end. You, you got to change the way you scheme. You got to bring pressure. The only way to affect the quarterback is to bring pressure. And I know Fangio likes to lean on coverage and, and hope that the three- or four-man rush can get there. But, Zach, it's just not happening. It's time for him to reexamine how he calls defense. This, is, this isn't Chicago Bears 2018. Right. And he also doesn't have the same defensive line talent either, especially with Derek Wolf going down.
3: Shelby Harris didn't have an overly great game today. They're just not getting that push. And I saw a comment here. A lot of the Broncos players are soft, and I agree with that. I think it was Trill Army that said that we have no dogs on our team. And that's what Aqib Talib said a couple years ago, and that kind of ruffled some feathers. But you know what? He might have been right. There's no killer instinct. There's no passion. There's no intensity in this team. They go out every single week and just kind of go through the motions, and you're seeing the results on the scoreboard. I don't really know if it's scheme, if it's players, if it's Elway, if it if it's what. But they have too much talent, too many investments, too many resources dedicated and not getting
1: any return on their investment at all. Zero. Guys, we're going to be here to help you exercise the demons. We are your football priests. We're going to dive into it. We're going to get to some of your questions, some of your reactions here on this gut reaction episode following Denver's week three loss to the Green Bay Packers. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Pod. That's how you can stay in touch. That's how you can keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Our YouTube viewers right now, you can see how to follow myself and Zach on Twitter. Another great way to stay in touch. And then make sure you're leaving your creative reviews in a five-star rating if you're liking what you hear on Apple Podcasts. Even if that's not how you listen to the show each and every day, going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a creative review is very helpful. And it also... Enters you into the drawing for some of this swag that we give away at the end of each and every month. So take care of that business.
0: This is the
1: Overtime Podcast Network. Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step 1. What's your why? More epic energy? Better sleep? Blow off steam? Step 2. Join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime.
0: And get moving. Go cardio crazy and are clean in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step three. Bask in that post-workout glow. Join
1: Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See Club for details. Kenny Mayne here with this declaration for new Caesar Sportsbook app users from Caesar. Your first bets
2: on us is what Caesar told me to say. That means if you don't win, you get up to
1: $1,250 back as a free bet. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app and sign up with the code RADIOFULL.
0: Open to new users who are 21 or older or physically present in New York. If qualifying bet loses, bet amount returned as a credit. Must use within 14 days. See Caesar.com slash for full terms. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 HopenY or text HOPE-NY 467
1: all right, Zach, let me, uh, let me touch on a couple things that jumped out to me, and then we'll, we'll crucify this team as it so justly deserves. The Broncos, believe it or not, they did do a lot of, you know, in terms of the formula, what it takes to win on the road in the NFL, what it would take to beat an elite quarterback in his own place at Lambeau. The Broncos checked many of the boxes, okay? They had over 300 net total yards, 149 rushing yards, Zach. Now, that is a formula for success on the road or at home. Getting 150 yards. I mean, Philip Lindsay played inspired football all day long. The, the offensive line in the run game was moving dudes off the block. That side of things were, was clicking. And even Flacco in the first half, you know, on third down, he was, he was sharp. He was getting it done. He was moving the ball. Where this team began to lapse, at least on the offensive side of things, was the turnovers. And Joe Flacco, that that third one, I mean, that was inexcusable. What in the hell was he thinking? Why did, there was no one even close to being around that ball. So here's something I want you guys to consider, all right? I keep getting a bunch of, um, you know, I'm tired of hearing that this team is close. I'm tired of hearing the silver linings and this team sucks and da-da-da. I'm not one to wallow in the in the misery. I'm not one to wallow in, uh, you know commiserate with everybody i i try to analyze it as objectively as i can but i'm always an optimistic dude if the denver broncos don't give the ball away three times you got to remember zach 14 of green Bay's 27 points came off turnovers that's how the games are are decided in this league especially if you're a team struggling and you're on the road you have zero margin for error but you give the ball away three times sorry dude i don't care where you're playing on the road you're gonna lose especially to an Aaron Rodgers quarterback team. You're not going to beat him that
3: way. You have to play clean, disciplined football, and the Broncos just can't do it to that point. And I don't, listen, Flacco isn't the Broncos' biggest problem, but he's not good enough where the Broncos can win on his, the strength of his shoulder. He did not do enough today for the Broncos to win this game. And the turnovers and all the mistakes they make, it's just a continuation of what we saw from Case Keenum, from Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. It's the same formula, and it's to be the same Results, the same record, the same kind of game flow, the same everything with the same quarterbacking issues. The play calling's an issue, uh, the defense is an issue, the coaching's an issue. The only thing the Broncos are doing right now, like you said, Chad, is running the football decently well. When they stick to that, which is their strength, they're getting Royce Freeman going. Lindsey had a good game today. He was kind of the spark plug, as he should be. Other than that, this offense is not good enough to win. They're not good enough to overcome a holding call. They're not good enough to overcome a penalty or a turnover, any sort of mistake. Once they have one mistake, they go into a shell and just shut down. That's not successful offense. That's not a good offense. not
1: even an average offense. Until that changes, you know, same old, same old. This is a team that just doesn't have margin for error offensively. Zero. And that's, I mean, here's the thing. Honestly, and this is, this is not me bl- trying to blow smoke up Broncos country's skirt. If you had this offense with the, even the 2017 or even last year's defense, the way they were playing last year, You're probably one and two right now, but this defense, I'm sorry. At this point, I got to start questioning Vic Fangio a little bit, okay? This defense is nowhere near sound enough for the Broncos offense to get away with with turnovers and mistakes. So if you can batten down the hatches, run the football, try and be plus, you know, hovering around 50% conversion on third down, hover around 40 to 50% conversion in the red zone, Traditionally, with the way John Elway's built this team post-2014, that's a formula that you can win some games. But this defense, you guys, it's time to sound the alarm here. What in the hell is going on? First time, first team, you guys, in 50 years to go the first three games without a sack or a takeaway. Like, what are the implications for Fangio? Let's talk about that here, Zach, because we can sit and put the onus on players, and as you talked about, you know, to leave – Couple years back, not enough dogs on this squad. Where are the dogs? But let's talk about how this reflects on Fangio because he was supposed to be the the, the defensive wizard. And you look at all of his previous, most recent stops defensively um, as a as a coordinator, whether it was Chicago, San Francisco. The success eventually came. But Zach, is this just us putting the cart before the horse in the expectation department? Because let's remember. It took Fangio four years to turn the ship around in Chicago and get that defense operating on the level that we saw last year. It wasn't quite as long for him to turn it around in San Francisco. It took about two years to get them really going. But is this just simply one of those deals where we have to wait for his, his vision and the way he does things to kind of catch up with the personnel coming in and out on this squad or what? Or is this just incompetence? I, I tend to think it's a little of both. I, it's not like he has no talent on this defense, Chad.
3: He has Von Miller, a future Hall of Famer and a, and a possible perennial Pro Bowler and Bradley Chubb and a, and a pretty good secondary, a lot of talent there. So yeah, it's going to take some time to implement his scheme, his culture, all the moving parts to come together. But to drop three straight games to come out this season looking like this with the talent they have, I got to start pointing the finger, too, at what he's employing. Still dropping Vaughn back and coverage. Still moving Bradley Chubb around instead of rushing the passer. Still rushing three people and not blitzing. Those are all calls that Fangio and Donatel are making together. And maybe there's a reason why Fangio did never get a head coaching opportunity. Maybe there's a reason why he was a coordinator all this time. I'm not going to jump ship. I'm not saying he's a, he's going to be fired. He's a one-and-done type coach. I see a comment there. He's not. He's still a good coach,
1: but it's just a little more concerning. It's taking a little longer than I thought it would. John Elway can't afford for Vic Fangio to be one and done. I mean, he's in for a diamond for a dollar, Elway with Fangio. And so the fan base needs to understand that too and basically get behind Fangio, even with the, even with the losses, because it's going to take time. What, what these first three games have, have taught me is that the talent, I think we had kind of convinced ourselves, following the messaging from the front office, that the talent was there in so many spots, and it is. But the depth is gone. The quarterback situation is still average to below average and that being the case it's going to take time for the way fangio wants to scheme the way he wants to coach i mean you got to remember von miller's been playing football basically one way since he was in the league with one exception there was a little bit of a different scheme under del rio but let's just say since the super bowl season in which von miller's you know profile has gone through the stratosphere he's been playing football one way and that is with press man corners and you know, be, help having blitzers help him on third down, getting around the corner, pressure's coming. He's that's kind of what he's built his legend on. That defense is long gone. That's not what this is, dude. This is drop eight dudes into coverage on third down, Von Chubb, find a way to beat double teams each and every time. Hence you've got 0-3, hence you've got zero sacks, hence you've got takeaways. And if that's the way Fangio wants to play it, it sound to me, it's almost like Miller has to flip his paradigm, and some of the other players as well, like Chris Harris Jr., some of these other secondary players, they're just going to have to tweak the way they think or, or just buy in, because if it keeps going at this rate any longer, Zach, I fear you're going to start seeing some of those same type of things that are popping up in Miami and New York with veterans saying, get me the hell out of here. This is a sinking ship. And I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Harris Jr. is among those guys. I mean, if anyone
3: is going to have a mercenary-type attitude toward this team right now and kind of cause some friction in the locker room, it would be Harris who's probably in his last year with Denver. But yeah, he's, he's tired of losing too. And and, and Vaughn, I've noticed he doesn't seem to have that, that same fire. I'm not going to say he's quitting on the field or not trying as hard, but it just doesn't seem like he's all with it this year. I don't know if he got kind of worn down by Fangio calling him out. He's just tired of being in a, a purgatory with the team but they just don't have any intensity, any fire, any passion, and
1: it's week in and week out. I just, I don't know. I can't put my finger on what the actual problem is. I think it's part of it. I think he really is worn down. I think he's tired of feeling like the onus has been on him, and it's worn him down to a nub. Now, I'm not making excuses for him. He's a pro. He's making $20 million a year as a defensive player in this league. It ain't good enough. The onus has to fall on him as well, but there is something to that. Let's get to what Josh here says. He goes, LA extended Joe Flacco for what? Another year of slow dink and dunking? All these rookie quarterbacks playing well, but he IRs Drew Locke. Absurd. At this point, yes, Zach, it's looking like a tremendously short sighted decision. Once again, we've talked quite a bit about this uh, in the last couple weeks that you know, Drew Locke is expected to begin throwing again this coming week. And if he wasn't on IR, we don't know for sure that he could be available to play starting next week or the week after, but he'd be around, he'd be throwing, he'd be on the practice field. I think this is inching ever closer, Zach, to if you're John Elway. I know you just extended Flacco. You talked about him being in his prime, all this great, you know, all this fluff. But it's already looking like a wasted season in terms of the the standings. But if you really want to make it put you know, built in or bake in some kind of value to this season. You got to get your young quarterback who you see as a future franchise caliber guy into the fire and see what you have it in him. Because if not, you're cruising for another top five pick. And if you don't get some information on Locke this year, you might miss out on the opportunity in getting a franchise quarterback next year or making the right decision in the draft next year with the best information possible. If Locke goes this entire season chilling on injured reserve and the Broncos miss the playoffs, play sub-500 football. Does John Elway deserve to keep his, his job?
3: I'm. It's listen. It's it's hindsight right now because if Flacco was balling out, you wouldn't be talking about Drew Locke. People wouldn't be asking about Drew Lock. So it's it's a tough situation because Elway pretty much backed himself in a corner by anointing him this franchise guy, going all in on him, and then uh, you know kind of extending him. He it would be a massive about face to turn around a few weeks from now and put a rookie in there coming off uh, you know a thumb injury. I don't know. He's in a, a precarious spot. He has to hope that Flacco just, you know, the light clicks and he avoids his controversy because the last thing Elway wants and needs for another year is quarterback controversy after finally getting what he
1: thought was a guy they can build around for, you know, three, four, or five years. This team has to face, and it starts from the top and goes down. They have to face the facts. They are not one coach away. They are not one middle-of-the-pack quarterback away from returning to the playoffs. This is a team that really needs to embrace the rebuild. And we know John Elway doesn't like to use the R-word because it sounds like a cop-out. Well, that sounds like a cop-out, doesn't Exactly. Exactly. That sounds like a cop-out. Look, you haven't won any games, dude, since the Super Bowl. You've won, what, 11, 19? You've won 20 games in three (laughs) and a quarter seasons since the Super Bowl because you've maintained this talking point that you're that one quarterback away middle of the road quarterback by the way Joe Flacco we hope for the best it, it it's just not panning out and I don't think he's been the problem but again we go back to that conversation where if you have to point to your quarterback and say he's not the problem then he's a problem he's not the solution okay he's not factoring in he's not the difference between this team winning and losing games he's a, he's contributing to losses if that's the case so <clears throat> I'm telling you, it's Drew Locke time. It is time for the Denver Broncos to get in the – if I'm John Elway, I'm calling up my training staff, and I'm saying, look, I don't care what you got to do. We are now bound by NFL rules. He can't get on the practice field till week seven. We can't activate him till week nine. But you've got to do everything you can to make sure Drew Locke is ready to go week nine.
3: Yeah, it's it's a definitely a tough spot. I, I don't know if he can make that switch, but I'm just tired of of Elway's ego and him d- denouncing these things and kicking the can down the road, not looking himself in the mirror or this team in the mirror. They had a perfect chance to embrace a full blown rebuild in January after overhauling the coaching staff, and they delude themselves into having some win now mentality with a 34 year old quarterback who got kicked out for a rookie who couldn't pass, and then saddling him with a first-time coordinator in Rich Scangarello, who looks way, way too green after three weeks. I saw a comment here that says play calling is 80% of the issue, according to Avalanche Bronco. I tend to agree with that. Flacco is an issue, and you're right, Chad. Your quarterback, he if he's not the problem, he's supposed to be the solution. He's a, supposed to be a franchise guy. You're paying him enough money. But the play calling, I mean, it leaves so much to be desired. Not using the running game correctly. Ignoring Emmanuel Sanders. Not getting him involved. Not taking shots down the field. Scangarello has cut this field in half for the Broncos offense. He's playing in a box right now, and that just,
1: you know, the crap rolls downhill, and that's what you're seeing on the field. Let's flip it back to the defense for a second here from Red John. He says, "I apologize if you covered it already, but what the heck is is going on with the D? Is it personnel, is it Fangio or Donatello? I think it's a little bit of both, but at this point, Zach, I think we really have to put the pressure and the onus on Fangio. Like he's got to an answer for this, okay? Not only as a head coach presiding over an 0 and 3 team, but as a head coach presiding over the first defense in the last half century to go 3 games without a sack to open a season without a sack, 3 games." or a takeaway he has to re-examine his philosophy and maybe zach it's as simple as coming to terms with the fact that the way he traditionally likes to call his defenses it's not going to work with the way the broncos are set up personnel wise right now that might have to take a backseat or it might have to be tweaked he has to make adjustments we're not seeing that now this the broncos were able to get more pressure but in relative terms against the Packers, you still more pressure pressure. You know, you affected a few third down throws. You know, that's good. That's progress. But what are we talking about here? Are we in the little league? Is this is this pop warner where we're hanging our hat on the on progress? Right. It's a results based business. This is the NFL. And Fangio, the way you're doing it, it's not getting the, the job done. They need to play more bump and run. They need to press these receivers off the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Just a little bit more and you'll give more time when you do rush three or four on third down. That gives Vaughn Miller, that gives Bradley Chubb more time to get to the quarterback because it forces these receivers off their route. It delays the timing of the route, thus making the quarterback have to hold on to the ball a couple of beats longer. Traditionally, that's all it's taken for Vaughn and Chubb to get there is that half beat longer. Now, we haven't quite seen that shake out through three games, but these are the type of small adjustments, little things Fangio can do to change the the, the outcome and the result, but he's got to face some facts here, Zach.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree that it's definitely both, but I, I would lump it more on the coaching side and the scheme side. I mean, listen, Von Miller had 14 sacks in a Vance Joseph defense. He has none in three games in a Vic Fangio defense. The denominator there is Vic Fangio. So as much as I like the guy and as good as he is on paper, as good as he was in Chicago, he is not cutting it right now in Denver, and he's really you know, not even keeping this defense the same. He's making them worse by taking their best pass rushers
1: for whatever reason, totally out of the picture. You know, look, lo- it's a losing tact to hang your hat or blame officials for losses, but it's also at the same time, two weeks in a row that the officials have really swung the, the result of one game. We know that the Chicago bears game, the NFL came out and said our bad on that one with the the roughing the passer on Chubb, but that tic-tac What the hell was that ref thinking to throw a flag on Emmanuel Sanders for holding that took that Royce Freeman touchdown off the board? Forced The Broncos still ended up getting points on that drive, but it was a measly field goal. And as Daniel says here, completely altered the flow of the game. I agree on that because the Broncos go up. They take the lead there if – or do they? Yeah. Yeah, they take the lead there if if Freeman – his touchdown stands, as it should have. So it's unfortunate, but here's the thing, Zach. It's unfortunate that the Broncos have played such lackluster football that the razor's edge is coming down to whether or not a ref, one or two calls on from a ref. If you're playing that margin of error so close to the bone, then you deserve what you get in those situations with the refs. Exactly. Yeah, it
3: was definitely a ticky-tack call, to say the least. I mean, you can't even get a front in someone now, and that constitutes holding, just like Ralph in the Pass or Bradley Chubb. But, yeah, you can't blame the refs, and you can't – Games can't come down to one penalty. You can't live and die by that. You have to be good enough to overcome those things right now. A penalty either going against you or not going in your favor. You have to be good enough talent-wise, coaching-wise, to overcome those things. And the Broncos, as they've shown two weeks in a row now, you can point your finger all you want at the Zebras. They're not the problem.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Paid for by America First Legal.
1: The Denver Broncos defense, one small silver lining as they stiffened. The first two games, they were averaging 125 yards allowed on the ground. Todd Davis returns to the fold and almost cuts that in half. Almost. The Packers at home are only to get only able to get 77 yards rushing. So that's another aspect of, you know, the defensive line did play better, even with Derek Wolf going down, Todd Davis being back in the run fits, were much more on point today. But it's the coverage scheme, Zach, and it's the lack of pressure that's really costing this team at the end of the day. It is, and it's, it's the same
3: thing every year. I mean, they're, they're decent against the run, but Aaron Rodgers was the difference in this game. The, the Packers won this game because they have a true franchise quarterback, and they didn't necessarily have to run the ball. And, and teams will keep exploiting the Broncos' weakness, which right now is their secondary and their, and their
1: lack of coaching, proper coaching adjustments. Brandon says, how has Devontae Bosby not been getting playing time? Well, coaching, coaching, coaching. I'll tell you. Well, maybe, but I think and it's always draft pedigree. Boom. It's hey, play my guys, play my premium round guys. And, you know, Yadam has taken more flack than he deserves, to be honest with you, through this early three games of this season. He's actually played solid ball. If you really study the coach's film, he's had a couple of lapses. He's been exploited a couple of times. He hasn't been the problem. Honestly, Chris Harris has not been good. I mean, that's just sorry, Chris. You're, you want to be the number one paid corner in the NFL? Dog, you're not playing up to snuff on that side. You're just not doing it. Meanwhile, Bosby comes in. And it's the first time I, I tweeted this, and I even uh, talked about this on the milehighhuddle.com open thread during the game. That was the, one of the very few instances through these first three games, Zach, that I can remember a Denver Broncos cornerback breaking up a pass, A, B, breaking up the pass on third down. Bosby did it twice on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer
3: as to why he hasn't been getting playing time. Obviously, he came, he joined the Broncos late in the process from the AAF. And uh, like you said, Chad, Adams draft pedigree, for whatever reason, being a third round pick, as uh, premature as that was, kind of gave him and grandfather him into playing time. But he hasn't been cutting it, been missing tackles, blowing coverages. And Bosby, for my money, I think he takes the scheme better. He's longer. He just plays man press coverage better. And, you know, you saw the results today. So I can only hope that
1: Bosby gets more playing time now going forward. Bosby is an extremely instinctive and aggressive corner most of the time that can be very helpful to a defense as you saw he's great in terms of that zone dropping back and then keeping his eyes on the quarterback and driving on the ball to break it up he's so good at that now you keep him in and put him on film long enough and opposing teams are going to notice that aggressive tendency and eventually they're going to exploit it with a couple of double moves get him over the top and you know he, he's going to have to balance out his game, but right now the Broncos need what he's doing on third down and driving on the ball and breaking things up and and getting there before or as the ball is getting there. That that's what they need, as opposed to guys like Chris Harris, Isaac Yadam, at least up to this point, being there a day late and a dollar short, not only relinquishing the catch but then you know picking up the two or three yards to move the chains. Now I'm not saying Bosby is Superman, Zach, but I mean, at this point the Broncos need to take. Any form of competency, any form of, hey, did that guy give us a bump on offense? Did he give us a bump on defense? All right, let's get him more playing time. Now, moving on to Adam here. Just way too many mistakes, he says. I had thought Fangio would fix this stuff. Injury problems and bad play are horrible. I've watched this team since 87. It's some of the worst I've seen. Well, it's definitely the worst you've seen, Okay. The Broncos are now almost, well, two and a quarter seasons into the worst era of Broncos football in half a century. So, yeah, you started watching this team in 87. You are witnessing the worst stretch of football by the Denver Broncos. And to your point, Adam, you were hoping that Fangio could turn that ship around. Either we were selling short his wherewithal or we were selling short just how far this team had fallen. And I think part of it, Zach, is because they have failed to embrace the rebuild you're carrying some of these veterans like Vaughn, like Chris Harris, like Sanders, like Derek Wolf, who on the surface, you feel like you need those guys. Like there are vets. They've been down the road. We need these guys. They're some of the best at their position in the league. But at the same time, have they checked out? You talked about earlier that they've been worn down by all this losing. Sometimes, I mean, you look at what happened with DeMarcus Ware, for example, in Dallas, P- Pro Bowl a perennial pro bowler hall of fame caliber resume for the majority of his career. But things really just kind of be- begin to dim for him that final two or three years in Dallas to the point where the Cowboys were like, mm, not worth the money anymore. Let's get rid of him." Meanwhile, he comes to Denver to the right situation. It kind of a, a, a gives him a spark and he goes on to have two and a half of the best se- seasons of his career. Wins a super bowl, makes another couple pro bowls and punctuates his career with the, you know The way that a Hall of Fame player, you would want to see that. Now, Von Miller, maybe that's what he needs. I hate to be the one to say it, and I'm not advocating at this point Broncos trade him, but I am questioning whether or not he's kind of in that same zone, Zach, where he's begun to tune out, he's begun to lose the urgency, he's kind of complacent maybe or at least kind of punch drunk with how bad things have gotten lately. I think complacent is definitely a good word. I'm not going to accuse him of quitting and making some grand
3: allegation like that, but he doesn't have the same fire and intensity, and he hasn't been the same Von Miller. It showed up on and off the field just in his mannerisms and his energy alone, and maybe it's a byproduct of the losing seasons. Maybe it's a byproduct of Fangio kind of ribbing him throughout the offseason, seeing the, the writing on the wall of Bradley Chubb as his successor, but it's it's um it's, it's definitely – depressing because like I said, the Broncos, everything pointed to them going into a rebuild and they instead embrace this win-now mentality like you said with a mix of vets and younger players they don't have the roster for that they didn't have the quarterback for that and that everything suggested otherwise. So until they just embrace that look themselves in the mirror and call a spade a spade, gonna keep you know being stuck in purgatory.
1: All right, guys, we only got time for a couple more talking points here, and then we got to get out of here for today because we got to get some content up at milehighhuddle.com. Zach's got work to do as well covering this uh, this this game and where the team's at. But let's talk about this. I've, we've kind of allowed the talk radio guys to, to mind. I mean, they're kind of ply the sensationalism, whether it's good or bad, however the team's doing. And it's been a talking point now for about a week and a half. At what point do the Broncos start looking at trading their stars and fully – telegraph to league. Hey, man, it's time to rebuild. Nevets 4433 says, honestly, do we need to go ahead and try to trade some of these vets? It's looking like a lost cause this year. Zach, at what point do you seriously start confronting a question like that? Who do you have, though? That I, Von Miller's
3: not going to get traded, so I, I don't want to even entertain that question. It's too premature. It would torpedo the Broncos salary cap. He's still a really, really good player. He's going to get some sacks. He's not being traded. So what do you really have? Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, two older veterans entering their final years with the team. No other team's going to give up compensation for players likely to be released in the offseason. So, they can confront that question. They can want to treat their guys, but it takes two to tango. Unless they find someone that's willing to take these players off their hands, they're kind of stuck with them.
1: There's going to be teams out there willing to take any one of the man, those guys that, that have been mentioned in this conversation. The question is, are the At Broncos... What cost? Well, yes. At what cost? And are the Broncos really ready to confront and telegraph the truth? We recognize finally... We're nowhere close enough to contending. We have to rebuild. We got to stockpile capital. We got to get rid of these bloated salaries that aren't pulling their weight. Because yeah, Von Miller's one of the best. Zach. He's making 20 million a year right now. He's consuming a significant portion of the salary cap. Is he pulling his weight? No. I'm sorry. He's not getting a lot of help from the X's and O's, but he is not pulling his weight. Chris Harris making 12 million this year after he held out. Not pulling his weight. Emmanuel Sanders, he's the one guy actually I would not consider even at this point, even putting him on the table to trade. Now, I'm not saying necessarily it's time to, to put Von Miller on the trading block and see what you get back. But, Zach, I'm going to be really curious this next week to see whether or not some of these star players who like to get a little bit mouthy, Chris Harris in particular, Von Miller, though, <laughs> I don't think he's that type of guy. You know, he learned from Demarcus Ware, he saw the example Peyton Manning set. He views himself, I think, as a Hall of Fame guy, and Hall of Famers don't do that. They don't. They just. They don't do that. So, one last thing here from Dre Addison, and I think this is apt. I tweeted that Joe Flacco is one of the easiest quarterbacks in the league to sack. Dre puts here Flacco was holding onto the ball way too long, a lot, especially on the underneath stuff. What do you think it is? Why is Joe Flacco? Seems so reticent to uncork the ball. Do you think it's the the routes concepts that are being called by Scangarello? Yep. Think it's a lack of confidence, a vision, how he's seeing the field. What what the hell's going on here?
3: I'm gonna take that blame off of Flacco. I'm gonna say it's the routes that Scangarello's drawing up. If you watch it on the field, there's no separation, no spacing. It's the it's the grouping that he's calling. They have the talent and they have, you know, Flacco's a smart enough quarterback to get rid of the ball. That is all coaching and scheme right there. And and Scangarello right now is not looking good. He's looking way too raw, way too green. He's swimming out there. So I'm going to chalk up the Flacco, some of his sacks and some of his underneath being conservative. That is coaching right there and keeping the shackles on
1: whatever arm you have of 34 year old Joe Flacco. All right, you guys, we got to We got to jump off the horn for now. We'll be back tomorrow, or I should say, we'll be back with a fresh episode for you on Tuesday. Again, this is the gut reaction. Emotions are running high and um, you know, we'll see where things land. We got to we got to check out what the reactions, what Fangio had to say after the game, some of the player comments. We'll see what the aftermath of this 0-3 start looks like. But again, the takeaway here, the Broncos are now 0-3. But in the meantime, you guys, keep your chins up. Let's just start maybe altering the way we're viewing this team. You got to start looking at it as let's and let's evaluate the scheme, let's evaluate the young talent, let's get the young talent the the playing time that they need. Stop trying to hope and dream that this is going to be a miracle season or like akin to 2011 where the Broncos started out bad and then turned it around to make the playoffs. 2012 where they started out 2-3 and under Peyton Manning, turned it around. This ain't that team. Uh, And, you know, you can't completely rule it out, but don't expect that. Just don't expect it, okay? The Broncos are playing one of the toughest schedules in the league. It's not going to get any easier. So let's just focus on the silver linings that we can actually uh, rely on, such as – Look, Zach, for example, that that play by Philip Lindsay on the goal line, fourth and, and goal, Dalton Reisner literally willing him. I mean, Lindsay kept his legs turning. Hats off to Lindsay on that big heart. But Dalton Reisner right there, by drafting him in the second round, he made the difference on that play, pulling him into the end zone. So it's those type of things I think, Zach, that the Broncos need to focus on, which is another reason why you got to get Drew Lock on the field as soon as humanly possible.
3: Right, and, you know, Fan had a nice play even though he had that fumble. I mean, the young talent is there. They have the collective nucleus in place. Cortland Sutton, they have the young players. It's just it's that same old ingredient missing, that franchise quarterback. And now on top of that, you're missing the coaching. So now you're down two things. But once those come together, especially quarterback, you put Drew Locke out there, maybe he jives more, then you can get something going. But until then, it's going to be choppy.
1: I think John Owen needs to come out next week in his little Elway Access with the team site. And just say, look, you guys, you know, we thought we were closer than we were to open the season. Clearly, we are not there yet. And as a, as a franchise, we have to reexamine our expectations in the short term. And uh, what that means is we're going to start really focusing on getting young players time, evaluating our young talent. That doesn't mean we're going to abandon our veterans. That doesn't mean we're going to abandon the ultimate objective of trying to win each and every game. But our our overall focus has to shift a little bit. You know, some, find some way, Elway, to say that and really telegraph to the fans. Don't give up on us because Drew Locke's coming back week nine.
3: Yeah, he has to sell hope at, at some level this season. He has to pitch that to the fan base to stay with it and to hold on, not just for now, but for the future going into 2020 and beyond. Tough position he put himself in, but this is all Elway's doing. He kind of made his bed with the roster construction, some of his decisions, including the Flacco contract, and now he's
1: living with his choice. Our friend Jacob, the Broncos are behind the eight ball. Fangio isn't in tune with the Broncos' pass rushers. The scheme is not in tune with the players on both sides of the ball. And that's, uh, I think, a pretty uh, apt way to end this episode, you guys. Keep your chin up. Zach, Chad, we'll be back uh, on Tuesday with a fresh episode. Meanwhile, keep it with MileHighHuddle.com for all the news, analysis, post-game, trying to analyze the aftermath of this. Make sure you're following Zach on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Keep your chins up. We will be back in the saddle on Tuesday. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks for joining us on the YouTube simulcast, everybody. It was great conversation. We'll talk to you soon.
2: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.